great to be back with you again. Uh, those who didn't, don't know who I am, I'm uh, Doug Bronner. I'm a senior pastor at Holy Cross Lutheran Church. And I admire you. You put up with Jeffrey Mines last week. Uh, thank you for doing that. Uh, what a privilege to work with him, and I'm sure glad to be with you. It's good to see familiar faces, too, that uh, I haven't seen for a while. Hi, Judy. <laughs> um, what, a, what an honor to, to be here and to share God's word with you today. And to, as my official title of circuit visitor, which I only have for three more months. Yes. <laughs> uh, three long months. Um, no, not really. I'm, uh, I'm, I appreciate being able to work with uh, your leadership in this congregation as you call a pastor, but today to be able to install as your interim pastor, Pastor Kirk, and what a joy it is to do that. But I messed up. Uh, about uh, three, four weeks ago, Jeremy sent me and uh, Jeffrey an email about the titles of, of the sermon and what we'd be preaching on uh, when we came. And uh, I, I have a pretty big ego, some of you that's not surprising. And I thought, well, I've got to preach. And there was this little caveat that he put into that email saying that, you know, Pastor Kirk said he'd be willing to preach, and I should have taken him up on that. It's, it's a great day for Pastor Kirk. I mean, to be installed here as your interim pastor and lead you through uh, this time. And, and uh, he could have dealt with this text instead of me. <laughs> uh, who started this? It's the hard sayings of Jesus. Is that Jeremy's idea? He knew he wouldn't be preaching two of them. He had to have a baby, another one. <laughs> anyway, I know I'm really happy to be able to preach on this text from Matthew chapter 5 today. Um, let's just go ahead and take a look at it to begin with. Um, uh, and and uh, I'm just going to read through it. We're gonna stay, keep that screen up if you would. Just leave it there. I'm just going to uh, read the text here quick as we get a, a run through of it. And then we're going to break it down. From Matthew chapter 5 beginning at verse uh, 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have not come to abolish them but to fulfill them. I tell you the truth unless heaven and earth until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will be by, by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Anyone who breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commandments will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, <clears throat> you'll certainly not enter the kingdom of God. Okay, we're going to dig into the scripture uh, today. And uh, it's a tough one for us to, to get into, uh, and, and the difficult word of, of Jesus that we're, we're, we're talking about. It's one of those kind of scriptures that it's real easy to turn into some kind of moralistic stain. In other words, my job here is to be better than you. My job is better to be a better Christian than you. Unless your righteousness passes out of the, of the Pharisees, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And so it's real tempting to say that, uh, uh, what we're, to tell all of you today what what you need to do is be better than the person sitting next to you. Look around. You look at somebody and say, ah, I've got to be better than them. I've got to be better. My righteousness has got to be better than them. I've got to be a better Christian than that person. Kind of fits in with what we're preaching at Holy Cross right now. We're in a series of sermons on the penitential psalms. And those uh, were very early in the Christian community. Uh, the church pulled out seven of the Psalms and said, hey, these Psalms are important. They lead us to, to confess our sin before God and trust in his forgiveness. 
And Pastor Jeffrey is our director of worship at Holy Cross, and he designs all the worship services. And for our traditional worship service, he has added one uh, verse of the hymn, Chief of Sinners Though I Be. And I like that, because I have a version of it goes something like this. Chief of Sinners Though I Be, Pastor Jeffrey's worse than me. <laughs> And, and uh, that's kind of what we can say this text makes us feel like. We're supposed to be better than other people. And just turn it into some kind of moralism, that uh, the Christian one-upmanship, kind of like the steps here. I'm going to try to get ahead of you, uh, and, and uh, I'll beat you in my moral behavior. Unless your righteousness surpasses that of the, of the Pharisees, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Those are tough words for us to hear today. But what do they really mean? We want to set the foundation for that last verse with the first two verses. So let's look again here at verses, um, let's go back to the, the slide before that. Let's go back up to, um, and then the next slide. There we go. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I tell you the truth until heaven and earth pass, uh, disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of the pen will disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Jesus understands us human beings in that we want the law to disappear. We don't like being told what to do. We don't want to be confined to a box, right? Um, kind of like for me driving here this morning, leaving uh, Briargate and taking uh, Interstate 25. There's a certain law that I really don't like. It says I got to go 75 because I want to do 55. No, that's not true. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to go faster than that, you know? And everybody was. Sunday morning, it's a good time to be out there. If everybody's doing at least 90, uh, uh, 925. We don't want to be constricted by it. But yet, in this text, Jesus says in the law of God, not a single stroke. The Greek there is an iota. An iota is the smallest letter in the Greek alphabet. Not an iota will disappear. Not a little... Uh, jot or tittle will disappear from the law of God until it's all accomplished. And what we want is for God to make some compromises with us. Compromises that are based on his compassion for us. So go back to I-25. And so you, you have a, a job you're late for up in Denver. You got a meeting, important meeting to go to. And for whatever reason, maybe the kids didn't want to get going in the morning. Maybe you hit the snooze button a few too many times, but um, you overslept and you're kind of running late. And so you're out there on I-25 doing 85 to 90 like everybody else, and a cop pulls you over. What do you want from that cop? Do you want him to have compassion? You know you're in the wrong, but you want him to have compassion. Look, I'm going to be late for this meeting. Can't you just not write me a ticket this time? Can't you have to show a little compassion for me? And that's kind of what we want God to do too. We just say, you know, don't, don't be so harsh on me, God. And yet Jesus says in this text, and it's a tough word for us, that not one little bit of the law is going to disappear until all is accomplished. The problem is, is that we're thinking that last part applies for us when we forget verse 17. Verse 17 reminds us that Jesus came to fulfill every bit of the law, every little point of the law he came to fulfill for you and me. It's about him, it's not about us, it's about what he's done for us, about him fulfilling God's demands. Every single one of them, Jesus has fulfilled for you and for me. That's the foundation on which we need to look at the next two verses because the next two verses are still gonna cause us some problems. 
And you see, Jesus understands that when we, we're legalistic about our faith, what we're doing is this. We're saying, where's the line? Where's the line when I know that I'm keeping that law or when I'm breaking that law? Let's go to verse 19. Anyone who breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. When I read that, I hear Jesus talking about that line, drawing the line that the law. So when we, when we, when we and this isn't just dealing with God's law, this is just in, in general in life. When we live by laws, we're always asking, where's that line at? And, and you know, a family of Christ here, uh, I think you're all pretty good about this, living above that line. Everybody here, I'm sure, wants to do more than is what's expected of you according to God's law, right? You want to do way more than what that law said, right? What? No amens? <laughs> I got a feeling that there's plenty of us here still who ask where that line is. What God, what God did you really mean when you said, and we'll get that in a second. So husbands, I'm going to pick on you since I am one. And, and uh, how we treat, treat our wives. We're always asking in our relationship with our wife, where's the line? Okay? Where's the line that I know I did just enough to make her happy? Okay? But we don't want to go too far beyond that because that would mean more self-sacrifice for us. So when it comes to our wife's birthday, what do we say? What do, what do I need to do? What minimum do I need to do that my wife has a good birthday and so I can go golfing guilt-free the next day? Right? Or what about vacation? We sit there and we plan out the vacation and, and we say, okay, what do I need to do to make my wife, she feels like this is a good vacation, everything's just fine, but not do too much so that in the fall when I go hunting for the week, I don't have to feel guilty about it. Or chores around the house, guys, right? What's the minimum that I have to do so that I can watch the NC2A tournament without guilt? That's kind of where we operate. I can only speak with guys. Maybe I'm only speaking for myself. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, Janice. <laughs> but uh, women, I'm sure you have a way of dealing that in your relationship with your husbands too. We just kind of like to know, where's that line that I know I can be obedient and not break God's law. I really don't want to do too much. Where's that line? When you're living legalistically, thinking that it's all about what I do and what I bring to the table, that's the question we're going to ask. Where's the line? Where's the line when it comes to hating someone? To murder. Is it, where, where's that line? When I know I'm just angry or when is it hate? Where's the line when it comes to adultery? Where's that line when I know I'm committing adultery or, or not? And where's the line when it comes to stealing? When I'm taking something? And so when you leave, live legalistically, that's what you do and that's what the Pharisees did. Let's talk about the Pharisees for just a moment, okay? Because that's what we're going to get into here when Jesus talks about your righteousness surpassing the Pharisees. The Pharisees were, we were always hard on the Pharisees. And, and I don't think quite uh, justified at times. If you go back into the history of Israel, you'll remember that during the time of the kings, the people 
mixed up their religion with paganism. The Canaanite religions and other religions, they sacrificed uh, to, uh, to multiple gods along with their worship of Yahweh. And to the, got to the point where in some circles toward the end that they were even sacrificing their children as offerings to, um, those, uh, to, to those gods. And so you know the story that God had sent them into captivity into Babylonian for the rebellion against him. And so Pharisee, which means uh, to be separate, uh, didn't want that to happen again. And so uh, they took the Torah, the, the first five books of the, of the Bible, and they built a whole series of traditions around that to protect the Torah so nobody would, again, mix their religion with paganism. Sounds pretty, uh, you know, uh, honorable in many ways, doesn't it? Because you and I look at what's happening within the Christian community and we see so many influences from the world, secular world, that influences us in, in, in the Christian community. And, and so we can empathize with those Pharisees. It's, it's kind of a natural thing. But they went too far. And they began to think that the way you got right with God was by keeping even the human traditions. And they got in the way. That's the Pharisees. And so then we move to verse 20. And we think that, 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 that Jesus is going to make it a little easier on us. He makes this harder on us. So let's look at verse 20. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, the guys we just talked about, and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Okay, this elevates things a little bit higher. Did you catch it? In verse uh, 19, he talks about, you know, if you loosen uh, uh, one of the least of these uh, commandments, you'll call least in the kingdom of heaven. If you teach them and do them, you'll be called greatest. That's called, that's not, now we're talking about entering the kingdom of heaven. And uh, the fact that in our righteousness needs to surpass that of the Pharisees to enter the kingdom of heaven. And maybe some of you are feeling pretty depressed right now saying, how can my righteousness ever surpass that? I mean, if you look at the, what Jesus talks about after this text, he talks about what adultery is. He talks about what murder is. He talks about loving your enemies and all that stuff where you and I struggle. Daily we struggle with those things and we fail. How can I ever enter heaven? Once again, we forgot verse 17. When Jesus said that he came to fulfill the law and the prophets. You see, it's not your righteousness. You say, but it says my righteousness. Yeah, it is your righteousness in this way. See, the righteousness that is yours is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He fulfilled the law he went to his cross. He paid for your sin that his righteousness would become your righteousness. Faith, your faith in Jesus Christ grabs a hold of everything that Jesus did for you and it becomes yours. Your righteousness is Jesus' righteousness. Therefore, you enter the kingdom of heaven because of Jesus, because of who he is and what he's done for you. And that should take a huge burden off your shoulders. It's not about anymore about trying to be a better Christian. Looking around here and not saying, well, I'm better than that person. I'm better than that person. Not that at all. Christ was the one who was 
perfect for you. His righteousness literally is yours. When God looks at you, he sees Jesus. That's who he sees. His righteousness, the son of, his son's righteousness, one for you. That's how your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees because it's not about you or me. It's about Jesus and what he brought to the table for each one of you here today. That radically changes your life. Radically changes your life. Because it sets you free. There's a freedom that you never experience until you experience that freedom in Christ. And so it's no longer this idea that you got to do things. You're set free to love. You are set free to love God above everything else. Free to fall manly, deeply, passionately in love with the one who is deeply, madly, passionately in love with you. It's freedom. And you're free to love the people next to you. You're free to love your wife. You're free to love your husband. You're free to love your children. You're free to love your parents. You're free to love your friends. And as Jesus says, even your enemy. You're free to do that. It's a different perspective. Because you have the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So it's not so hard of a word after all. When we see Jesus and his righteousness at work in our life. Amen.